the Stronger by August Strindberg. This is an audio presentation by Unity Arts as part of the project Moonbeam Magic, supported by the National Lottery Heritage Fund. Adapted for audio and directed by Jane McVeigh. Produced by Angus Chisholm. Amelia, you're sitting here alone on Christmas Eve like a poor old maid. Do you know it worries me to see you this way? Alone in a cafe and on Christmas Eve too. It makes me feel as I did that time when I saw a bridal party in a Paris restaurant. The bride sitting reading a comic paper while the groom played billiards with the witnesses. Ah, thought I, with such a beginning... What a sequel and what an ending. He played billiards on his wedding evening and she read a comic paper. But that is neither here nor there. I tell you what, Amelia, I believe you would have done better to have kept him. Do you remember I was the first to say, forgive him? Recollect. Then you would have been married now and have had a home. Remember that Christmas in the country? How happy you were with your fiancé's parents. How you enjoyed the happiness of their home, yet longed for the theatre. Yes, Amelia dear, home is the best of all, next to the theatre, and the children you understand. But that you don't understand. Here you can see what I have brought for my little pigs. Look at this. This is for Liza, see? And here is Maya's pop gun. (gasps) Were you frightened? Do you think I should like to shoot you? What, my soul! I don't believe you thought that. If you wanted to shoot me, that wouldn't surprise me, because I came in your way, and that I know you can never forget. But I was quite innocent. You still believe I intrigued you out of the theatre. But I didn't do that. I didn't do that even if you do think so. But it's all one, whether I say so or not, for you still believe it was I. And these are for my old man, with tulips on them which I embroidered myself. I can't bear tulips, you know, but he must have tulips on everything. See what little feet Bob has. What? You ought to see how elegantly he walks. You've never seen him in slippers. Look here, this is he. And when he is peeved, see, he stomps like this with his foot. Damn that cook. She never can learn to make coffee. Now those idiots haven't trimmed the landwick straight. And then he wears out the soles and his feet freeze. Ah, how... Cold it is, and the stupid fools never can keep the fire in the heater. (laughs) And then he comes home and has to hunt for his slippers, which Marie has stuck under the chiffonier. Oh, but it is a sin to sit here and make fun of one's husband. He's a pretty good little husband. You ought to have such a husband, Amelia. 
What are you laughing at? What? What? And then, I know he's true to me. Yes, I know that. Because he told me himself. What are you tittering about? When I came back from my tour of Norway, that shameless Fredrika came and wanted to elope with him. Can you imagine anything so infamous? But I'd have scratched her eyes out if she had come to see him when I was at home. But it was good that Bob spoke of it himself and that it didn't reach me through gossip. But Frederica wasn't the only one. Would you believe it? I don't know why, but women are crazy about my husband. They must think he has something to say about theatre engagements, because he's connected with the government. Perhaps you were there yourself and tried to influence him. I don't trust you any too much. But I know he's not concerned about you, and you seem to have a grudge against him. Come to see us this evening, Amelia, and show that you're not angry with us. Not angry with me, at any rate. I don't know why, but it's so uncomfortable to have you an enemy. Possibly it's because I came in your way, or... I really don't know. Just why? Our acquaintance has been so peculiar... When I saw you the first time, I was so afraid of you, so afraid, that I couldn't look you in the face. Still, as I came and went, I always found myself near you. I couldn't risk being your enemy, so I became your friend. But there was always a discordant note when you came to our house, because I saw that my husband couldn't bear you, and that was as annoying to me as an ill-fitting gown and I did all I could to make him friendly toward you. But before he consented, you announced your engagement. Then came a violent friendship, so that in a twinkling it appeared as if you dared only show him your real feelings when you were betrothed. And then... How was it later? I didn't get jealous. How wonderful... And I remember that when you were Partin's godmother, I made Bob kiss you. He did it. But you were so confused. That is, I didn't notice it then. Thought about it later. Never thought about it before. Now. Why are you silent? You haven't said a word this whole time. But you have let me go on talking. You have sat there and your eyes loosened out of me all these thoughts which lay like raw silk in their cocoon. Thoughts, suspicious thoughts. Perhaps, uh, let me see, why did you break your engagement? Why do you come so seldom to our house these days? Why won't you visit us tonight? Keep still. You don't have to say anything. I comprehend it all myself. It was because and because and because. Yes, yes, now... Everything is clear, so that's it. I won't sit at the same table with you. <laughs> that's the reason why I had to embroider tulips, which I hate, on his slippers, because you are fond of tulips. 
That's why we go to the mountains during the summer, because you don't like sea air. That's why my boy is named Eskil, because it's your father's name. That's why I wear your colours, read your authors, eat your pet dishes, drink your beverages, this chocolate, for example. That's why. Oh, my God. It's fearful. When I think about it, it's fearful. Everything, everything came from you to me, even your passion. Your soul crept into mine like a worm into an apple, ate and ate, grubbed and grubbed until nothing was left but the rind within. I wanted to fly from you, but I couldn't. You lay like a snake and enchanted me with your black eyes. I felt as if the branch gave way and let me fall. I lay with feet bound together in the water and swam mightily with my hands. But the harder I struggled, the deeper I worked myself under, until I sank to the bottom. Where you lay like a giant crab, ready to catch hold of me with your claws. And I just lay there. How I hate you, hate you, hate you! But you, you only sit there and keep silent, peacefully, indifferently indifferent as to whether the moon waxes or wanes, whether it is Christmas or New Year, whether others are happy or unhappy, without the ability to hate or to love as composed as a stalk by a mouse hole. You can't make conquests yourself. You can't keep a man's love, but you can steal away that love from others. Here you sit in your corner, do you know they have named a mouse trap after you? And read your newspapers in order to see if anything has happened to anyone. Or who's had a run of bad luck? Or who has left the theatre? Here you sit and review your work, calculating your mischief as a pilot does his course, collecting your tribute. <sighs> Poor Amelia, do you know that I'm really sorry for you? Because you are so unhappy. Unhappy like a wounded animal and spiteful because you are wounded. I can't be angry with you, no matter how much I want to be. Because you came out at the small end of the horn. Yes, that affair with Bob? I don't care about that. What is it to me, after all? If I learn to drink chocolate from you or from somebody else, what difference does it make? Besides, chocolate is very healthful. And if you taught me how to dress, that only makes me more attractive to my husband. And you have lost what I won. Yes, to sum up, I believe you have lost him. But it was certainly your intent that I should go my own road. Do as you did and regret as you now regret. But I don't do that. We won't be mean, will we? Possibly, all in all, at this moment, I am really the stronger. You get nothing from me, but you gave me much. And now I appear like a thief to you. You wake up and find I possess what you have lost how was it that everything in your hands was worthless and sterile? 
You can hold no man's love with your tulips and your passion as I can. You can't learn housekeeping from your authors as I have done. You have no little Eskil to cherish, even if your father was named Eskil. And why do you keep silent, silent, silent? You believe that is strength, but perhaps it's because you have nothing to say. Because you don't think anything. Now I'm going home and take the tulips with me, your tulips. You can't learn from another, you can't bend, and therefore you will be broken like a dry stalk. But I won't be. Thank you, Amelia, for all your good lessons. Thank you, because you taught me to love my husband. And now I will go home and love him. This production of The Stronger by August Strindberg was translated by Charles Wangle, directed by Jane McVeigh, and produced by Angus Chisholm. Madame X was played by Sarah J. Warren. Madame Y was played by Jane McVeigh. This audio presentation was made as part of the project Moonbeam Magic and supported by the National Lottery Heritage Fund.